Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear saints, after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared and showed himself to the disciples. And they were afraid and they were skeptical. But then Jesus convinced them and proved his resurrection to them. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, Jesus presented himself alive to the disciples after his suffering by many convincing proofs. And then John writes in 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 that he says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. These men, on seeing the resurrected Christ, went from cowards to uh, those who were courageous. Now, God gave these disciples, Paul and over 500 people, a very special place in the kingdom of heaven. These people are rightly called witnesses. They're eyewitnesses because they saw the living, breathing body of Jesus with their own eyes and they touched him with their very hands and they heard him. Their ears heard the words coming out from his mouth. Now, what this means is that there's a distinction and a difference between them and us. And this means that you and I aren't witnesses. We haven't witnessed the same thing. So we shouldn't call ourselves that we, we aren't, uh, or, or say that we're witnesses of Jesus, that that title and honor is reserved for those who are actually eyewitnesses who actually saw the Lord in that way. So uh, as a footnote, based on this, because of this, we don't call our church or Christianity a faith based community or something like this. Uh, The resurrection is not based upon faith. It is based upon credible eyewitnesses on what people actually saw, not on what people just believed in their heart. Now, something really odd happens here in the gospel lesson for today. Jesus appears to Thomas, who was doubting. Jesus stood among the disciples, and then he says, peace be with you. And then to Thomas, he said specifically, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and put it in my side. And then he says this to Thomas. He says, be not unbelieving, but believe. And this is strange because faith and sight are opposites. If you see something, then you don't need to then believe it. And you can only believe in something if you don't see it. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what is Jesus talking about? How could Thomas believe in Jesus if he actually saw Jesus? It makes sense that you and I have to have faith and believe in Jesus because we have never seen him. Our entire faith, our entire hope, our trust is based on someone, on something that we cannot see, that we have not seen. But why does he have to believe? What does Thomas have to believe in? How can you see and believe at the same time? Did the disciples need faith in the same way that we do? Well, the answer is yes. 
And even though the disciples saw the resurrected body of Jesus, they still needed the same faith that you and I have today. And let me suggest this to you, that when Jesus said, do not disbelieve, but believe, he was not talking about his resurrection from the dead. He was talking about the gospel. And you need to make a note of this. There is a difference between Jesus' resurrection from the dead and the gospel itself. I know this sounds absolutely crazy um, and heretical, but let me explain this. It is true that Jesus' resurrection is the most blessed thing and that through his resurrection, he won our justification. He forgave all of our sins through his death and resurrection. resurrection. It's the bedrock of Christianity. However, the resurrection alone does not bring peace to anyone at all. Consider this. Do the demons in hell know that Jesus resurrected from the dead? Of course. They know that it is a historical fact. The grave is empty. The tomb, uh, the the, the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose from the dead. And yet, do you think that because they simply know this, that this then gives them peace? James chapter 2 says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. But even the demons believe this and they shudder. They're terrified. The fact that Jesus' tomb was empty, the fact that he rose from the dead, wasn't in and of itself comforting. Now, you may say, well, yeah, of course, Pastor, but those are demons, and of course they would be afraid and upset with Jesus anyway, right? Uh, Well, this isn't just true of the demons. This is true of humans, too. This is what Mark 16, 8 tells us. It says that the women who found the tomb empty didn't just, when they saw it, automatically rejoice. The Bible says this. It says they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for because they were afraid. So simply knowing And concluding that Jesus rose from the dead brings no comfort. I will take it even further. Remember that the disciples were still afraid and hiding behind locked doors. And remember that Jesus appeared, like while they were talking about him, while they were talking to each other, he appears right there. Now, you guys get afraid when you're talking about somebody and then that person you're talking about walks into the room. Imagine... Imagine you're talking about this and the Lord himself appears in your midst after you betrayed him, after you let him die alone on the cross, when you said you would never do that. He appears right there behind locked doors. He appears in their midst. So I can imagine that they are not so comfortable to see him, that their first instinct is not happiness. When they look upon him and they see him, they recognize that he is the Lord I can imagine that they're not very uh, happy or peaceful in that moment. And so I would suggest to you that this is why the very first word out of the Lord's mouth is shalom, is peace. It is not uh, just a greeting. He's not just saying, hi, how are you? He is saying, don't be afraid. Like every angel said to those whom they appeared to, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. I'm not here to get revenge on you. I'm here to forgive your sins. And I will prove that, that I've forgiven your sins. And now you go and you forgive the sins of others. Whoever sins you forgive here on this earth, I will forgive in heaven. That's what he says. 
Now, <laughs> what I'm getting to is this. What the disciples saw with their own eyes could never bring them peace. Just seeing Jesus, if he stood there in their midst alone and just showed them his hands and feet, that wouldn't bring them peace. That wouldn't solve the, the, uh, or take away the guilt and solve the sin that they had. That wouldn't do anything just seeing him. They didn't have peace until he said the words, peace be with you. So what their eyes saw couldn't bring them peace. Only what their ears heard And it was the word that calmed and comforted their hearts, not their eyes, not what they saw. And this is because simply knowing and concluding that Jesus is risen from the dead doesn't actually save you. Accepting the fact that it it actually happened is not yet faith. Now, this is a very important distinction. The fact that Jesus died and rose again is not the gospel. Sounds crazy. So nobody uh, uh, crucify me yet. All right. Uh, The fact that Jesus died and rose again is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died and rose again for you. And that is the gospel. The gospel isn't simply that Jesus died and rose from the dead. The gospel is that he died and rose from the dead for you, for your sake, for your benefit. And faith doesn't simply just accept the historical reality and fact that he did die and rise again. True faith confesses that he died and rose again for me, for for my sake, for my salvation. True faith says that everything Jesus did, he did it for me. Faith says all he accomplished was for my gain and my benefit. In fact, this faith goes so far as to say that if I was the only person in the world who had sinned and everybody else was righteous and I was the only person who sinned, that Jesus still would have come down, left his throne in heaven and did everything he did on the cross in this life for me, for you, if you were the only one. That is what faith does. In theology, we call this fides specialis, which is Latin for special or individual faith that faith is personal in that it is found in you and in your heart you have this fide specialis when you apply the objective promise of god of the gospel to you to yourself in other words it's about personal pronouns that's what it's about Uh, remember what job said thousands of years before jesus was born we heard it last sunday He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He never met him. And he says, that is my Redeemer. I'm thousands of years removed from this, and yet he is mine, and I am his. I never met him, but I know that. He claims him. He doesn't say, I just know that a Redeemer lives or the Redeemer, but is mine. Now, and then St. Paul himself says this. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. St. Thomas doesn't just say, look, uh, after concluding, after seeing all this, well, Jesus, you are the Lord and you are the God. Now he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus doesn't just say, doesn't simply say just have peace. He says, peace be with you. The last verse of the gospel lesson today says, these things are written so that you may believe you who are hearing this word right now that you would believe this 
and that believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What do we say in the creed each week? We don't just say that Jesus died and rose again. We say, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven. Faith doesn't just say that this event happened and it's true. It does say that. That's included, of course. But it doesn't just stop there. It says that that event happened for my sake. It's for us. And that God is not against us, but he is for us. And that is what true faith clings to. To those pronouns. Now, I want to add something here. uh, Just a few things. One thing about communion It is because of this fide specialis, this individual faith, that I can't and don't just automatically commune your relatives and friends and loved ones. Just because you believe the gospel and apply the merits of Christ to yourself, it doesn't mean that they do, or at least I don't know they do. And just because you accept what Jesus says about the Lord's Supper, it doesn't mean that everyone you're related to does. And and, and because of this, you cannot believe for another. You have to then believe for yourself. The words must come out of your own mouth. Jesus is my Lord. He is my God. I repent of my sin. Jesus forgives me my sins. This is his body and his blood given and shed for me, for me. Your own heart must lay hold of it, the merits of Christ. And you believe for yourself and you cannot believe for another. As much as we would want to, as much as we want to believe for our children, we cannot do so. So this is why we don't just come to church alone, but you make every effort to bring your children and your children's children and your loved ones here so that they hear the gospel and they believe in the same gospel as you do. The same thing goes for funerals, even. That we don't just do funerals for just anyone, but for those who have made this same confession of faith in their life, who had this fide specialis, who had this individual faith that said, this is my Lord. Now, the only thing, keep in mind, the only thing that gave those women, the disciples, Peter, Thomas, any peace is not what they saw, but it was what Jesus said. It was the gospel. And this is why they needed the gospel and they need to hear it. And this is why you and I need to hear it, not just once, but over and over and over again. How many times did Jesus appear to them and the first words out of his mouth were peace? (laughs) They could see Jesus. And this is the point. Um, They needed the same faith because they could see Jesus, but what they couldn't see was the forgiveness of sins. They saw what Jesus did but they couldn't see that it was for them. They could hear the peace that he said, but they couldn't feel it or see it. And so they needed the same exact faith that you and I do to trust and believe that what Jesus said is true, even if we don't see it or feel it, that the forgiveness of sins is true, even if our eyes and our senses cannot perceive or understand it. And they did. And that is the word, the same word that calmed their hearts is the same one that today calms ours. The same word that gives them peace is the same word and the only word that gives us peace. 
All right. Now, one last thing. Jesus says something here at the very end. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We oftentimes take this to mean that Jesus is, Jesus is saying something like, well, look, you believe in me without having seen me. Good job. I'll bless you for that. Wonderful. That is not what he is saying. What he's saying is that there are those who believe in me and have not seen me. And that is not because they're better or stronger or more intelligent, but it is because I have blessed them. And this means that Jesus is talking about you here. The reason you have faith right now and believe the words right now is not because of your own reason or strength, but it is because the Holy Spirit has blessed you and called you by the gospel and enlightened you with his gifts. And he has given you the highest and greatest spiritual gift that is faith in the Son of God in Christ. And that everything he did that you say it is for you for your sake it is for your forgiveness. So that you can say, when the, my final day comes, I have nothing to fear. Because the Lord is with me and everything he did was for me. You have faith because you have been blessed by Jesus. I know how, long, how, how you long to see Jesus. And I long for this too. And Jesus knows this. However, in this brief life, the righteous walk by faith and not by sight. But soon the day is coming when we won't have to believe in Jesus anymore. Because soon we will see him. In fact, some of our very own have already gone and seen him. They see him. Some of our own no longer need to have faith. Or believe because they see with their own eyes the very wounds of Christ. In fact, our dear brother Everett, who um, just a few weeks ago was sitting right back there. uh, And who just a few weeks ago came up right here. Week after week would fall on his knees and receive the body and blood of Christ with all of you. Right right there in that very spot. Um, He died last Easter, uh, just last week on Easter night. And he died on the very day that our Lord defeated death forever. He died on the day that that the Lord appeared to his disciples and showed his face to them. That's the very very moment that they saw uh, their Lord is the very moment that Everett saw the Lord. Um, He died on the day that the Lord conquered death. And so Everett, our dear brother, lived by faith alone. He lived his entire life trusting and relying upon and praying to and calling upon and confiding in a Lord and a God that he could not see. And he lived his life by faith alone. But now he lives by sight. And he now sees what you and I long so much to see, what we yearn for. And it won't be long before we see it too. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.